everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad you found us. I say this every time, and you may be listening all the time, but I'm still glad that you found us if you're new. There is a lot of conflict today in all of our homes over all the screen time. And of course, we've had a lot of issues over the last few years, but it seems like it's just not getting any better with kids who are spending way too much time on their screens. And then we end up with parents who don't know what to do about it. So if you are experiencing this screen conflict, you are not alone. We are here to help you. I think when I was first struggling with this, that was my biggest depressing thing was I felt like I was just all alone, like our family was the only one struggling. So we're so happy to be here to help you not have that feeling. And if you just never want to experience this conflict in your home, you're also in the right place because we can help you prevent it. So today we have such a great topic. You know, we always do. We always have great topics, but um, I'm so excited because we are going to be talking with a high school coach. All right. This is like so fun for me because I've learned so much about sports and the importance of sports in a kid's life. I am not a sports person myself. So I didn't grow up with a lot of sports. I grew up in ballet and all that. And my um, brother played some baseball, but I wouldn't consider that we were a really super athletic family. But after all my years of personal experiences in our own home with raising our four kids, as well as speaking with so many families that have suffered with the gaming dependency and addiction problems that we suffered with, I can say that a child's involvement with sports can make one of the biggest positive impacts on their physical as well as their mental health. I cannot stress this enough. The benefits of having this activity in your life, and it doesn't matter if your kids are athletic. A lot of parents say, oh, my kids aren't athletic. Yes, they are. Every child can move. (laughs) Every child is athletic. And even if they have disabilities, they can still participate in sports. And I, I think the biggest thing we need to remember as parents is the purpose. The purpose is not about being the best person in your sport. The purpose is to actually engage and actually do it and do it when it's hard, do it when it's really not your thing. So I just want to point out from my point of view that generally speaking, parents who structure activities for their kids suffer less than families who have nothing structured for their kids in the areas of sports. And there's many different sports that you can do. And y'all know from listening to me over all this time that we've been working together on reducing all these conflicts in our home, that the biggest mistake I made with our oldest was letting him quit his sports because it was back in the time when I was so worried about overscheduling him. That was a big deal. If y'all remember that, I don't know if you remember that was a big thing and it kind of still is today. We don't want to overschedule our kids. They're so stressed. They're so anxious. They have too much homework and they have too much to do. But what happens when you don't schedule enough things in their life, they are not going to schedule them and they're going to want to come home and have a lot of downtime on their screen. And that's what happened to us. When my son dropped out of his sports, he traded all that time for screen time. And as you know, that story did not work out well for him or 
for our family. So with our younger kids, we did things very differently and we are still reaping the rewards because they will be reaping the rewards the rest of their life. Our daughter ended up in a D1 college as a D1 college athlete. And she had this wonderful experience with her gymnastics. And then our boys run cross country. They play baseball. They love to have their pickup basketball games that they do through just a local league. And so when I met Zach, our guest today, who I'm just going to introduce here in just a second, I was floored by how vocal he was just right off the bat about the impact of screens on kids and teenagers and really what he sees from his view of being a coach. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a better person to talk to about teenagers than a coach. He started offering so much insight just in our first little conversation that we had on how screen overuse is affecting teens from his point of view and his position as a high school coach. So I knew that I had to introduce him to you all. He is going to give us an insider's look and it may not be pretty. (laughs) He's going to give us an insider's look on what is happening in the trenches with your teenagers and um, all the teenagers out there that are struggling. He has a very unique view. You know, as a parent, you only have a certain angle that you see your kids and in, in their life, but he has just a whole different view on this. And he can share so much about the existence of all this screen technology in the life of teenagers. So welcome Zach, Zachary Church to the show. Yes. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate it. My name is Zach Church. I am a head swim coach, varsity swim coach, and I am an assistant cross country and track and field coach. And I have been coaching for the last four years. I've been around for a little bit within the coaching world. And um, I have been around a lot of teenagers. They are a big part of my life. I enjoy it very much. And I've seen a lot of positive and I've also seen the, um, the ugly side of teenage years and um, especially with um, social media and technology and, and what an, uh, that kind of impact on these kids' lives. Thank you, Bonnie, for for inviting me on to talk. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I knew when we talked a while back, and, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, because of what I do, the subject does come up. Okay. I'll be honest. You know, that whenever I talk to people, somehow they ask what I do and I start telling them, they're like, oh my gosh, they have all the stories. But, but when we first started chatting about this, I was just super intrigued with your insight. And then I thought, well, of course you have insight because you are seeing kids outside of school. Like it's after school hours, you're getting them during this time of day when they are really excited about moving around and getting out and doing their sport. But at the same time, you just started sharing with me some, some things that I just thought were so interesting. Again, we value guests like you on our show that are in the weeds with kids every day. You, you're you able to just see things that we can't see. So your message today is going to be so valuable. I, I want to begin with just some general benefits of kids engaging in sports in, in their life, especially when they're teenagers. Because I think a lot of times we we get our, you know, second, third, fourth grader on a soccer team and and then they want to quit things and they want to stop. And I'm, I'm realizing how much 
how many mistakes we make when we do that. So talk a minute just about some of the benefits that you see. Yeah, no worries, Melanie. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to your point, you know, it's easy to quit. That's one thing about, especially with kids, it's easy to walk away, right? You know, you may be facing conflict. Maybe you're, maybe you're not, um, maybe you're insecure as far as being with a group of people and you're not relating. And so you just walk away. And life is not that simple. <laughs> so with sports, I mean, the benefit of sports, there's so many benefits. I have a twin brother. So Matt and myself, we ate up sports. We love sports and we, we love the communication skills that sports teaches. For instance, today with technology, you're not reacting with others in real time with communication skills that you need to use in sports, everything is in real time. So mm. by having your kids be on a soccer field or on a cross country course or in a swim team practice, you have to engage, you have to interact. And that means body language, eye contact, the type of language that you're using, um, what's appropriate and what's not. Slang, you know, uh, there's a lot of slang with social media and little, um, little subtexts and things that, you know, you'd have to understand if you were on screen time that doesn't really translate very well in real time. So communication skills is a, is a massive importance for sport. That's like the number one. And kids need to learn how to interact with others because that's what real life is like, you know, when you get a job or when you go out and meet people at a church, you know, any any social interaction that you have, you have to be able to communicate in real time, in person. Sports allows for that opportunity to be able to engage and react to people. Maybe people you like, maybe there's some people you don't like, but you have to develop those skills. Basically, sports is a micro version of society. You know, you're, you're having to work with people, overcome difficulties, teamwork. I mean, everything that, you know, overcoming challenges, all of that, it 100% translates into real life, especially when you get into college. Because in college, you'll have to work with, they'll, they'll literally, I don't know how many times I've been put in group projects in big, giant classes where you have no idea the person around you, but you have to adapt to their communication style. You have to be able to read body language. You have to be able to work together, teamwork, leadership, all of that happens in college for a grade. It also happens in real life in a job that starts with sports in high school and in middle school. That starts there. That's what I really value most about sports, not even just about winning or about about how successful your team is, your program. It really comes down to life skills. That is the most importance of sports. You know, I thought you were going to say winning and <laughs> exercise. Right. <laughs> And keeping them out of parents' hair. Okay, so I love your your benefits much better than what I was thinking. And this is what's so interesting. Like I see sports as 
great. This is an extra three hours that I don't have to worry about my kids being on a video game. <laughs> and I yeah. love your perspective on this. I mean, I, I know communication skills are so important, but I just never really thought about it that much. But you're exactly right. The communication skills that my kids have learned in their sport, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. When I look yeah. back, even on with my daughter, even having to communicate with her coach. And you know that, you know that you have to develop these relationships and, and you're just such a mentor to kids to teach them how to speak to an adult and work through problems and conflicts and have respect and all of these things. Yeah, and a lot of kids these days do not have great communication skills. And that just adds to further conflict down the road. But again, sports really helps or should help with developing those skills. Right. Because you're trying to get along not only with your coach, because sometimes, you know, on a team, your child may not even like their coach. And I, and I hate it when parents tell me, oh, he didn't like his coach, so he quit. I'm like, no, that was like the best opportunity for you right. to learn how to get along with somebody that maybe you don't see eye to eye with. Let's transition into what you, you just said about some of the problems with, mm -hmm. with kids as you see it today. You know, it's people get tired of hearing all the time, oh, you know, the way it used to be in the good old days and kids today do all these crazy things. But let's just dive in and talk about how you see technology, specifically video games and social media, really, because we love technology. There's so much about, of course, every technology that comes out that's wonderful. There's just some things about the toxic use and it screens strong. Our toxic use description usually centers around video games and pornography and, mm -hmm. and social media. But how do you see those types of toxic screens affecting or even changing the teen experience in sports today? To say it's complicated is an understatement. When we talk about social media, what we're really talking about in, in the genesis of it is websites and applications that allow users to create and share content, right? That's really what social media is. And it's, it's computer-based, but now it's iPhone. So see, that's another layer. Everything that you're able to access is in the palm of your hands. So that's another added layer to the complicated situation that we're in. Kids use social media, I think it's like 74% in this study, to keep in touch with friends. So that's important, but it's online. And if you get online, things can go wrong. For instance, the abuse of social media and a lot of what I'm finding with coaching sports is this fear of missing out. And that just adds into depression, anxiety, isolation. I mean, that's another topic. I mean, I can go on and on, on about isolation. I mean, here we go. We're in this society in which we are the most connected yet disconnected society in recent times. It's really appalling to think that because you have more friends, quote unquote friends on social media, that that means you're more socially accepted or, or socially a part of what's going on when actually it's the opposite way. I can't tell you how many people of my own age where you'll look at their social media accounts and they have 300 to 1,000 followers, right? Mm -hmm. Yet mm -hmm. they see none of them on a daily basis. Right. Do they truly feel like they are 
more socially connected? No, they're not. They're actually more isolated. And they're robbing themselves of meaningful, that's a key word, meaningful day-to-day interactions with people who actually are a part of their daily lives. So we know it takes 200 hours. This is the science. It takes 200 hours to build a friend. And that means to move someone from a stranger to a good friend. 200 hours of being together in person, of experiencing different things together and being in the presence of that person. And this is from Robin Dunbar's book. I just uh, have really enjoyed reading that. It's called The Dunbar Number. And he goes through lots and lots of science around the human brain and how many friends we can have. And so that really speaks to what you're talking about, why kids are so lonely, because honestly, they don't have any friends. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, exactly. If their friends are just trying to be built online, then they have no friends. It's very surface. None of this is deep-rooted. It's addictive. I grew up with phones, uh, cell phones, but when 2008 hit and the smartphone came into the picture, mm-hmm. now we have social media that can be accessed, and I said it earlier, instantly. I can pick up my phone and I can access anything I want from that device in the palm of my hand instantly. Putting that in the hands of kids who have not mentally developed can be a grave problem. I mean, just go into how people compare the each other. I mean, we're looking at how addictive it is. Jealousy, peer pressure, bullying starts to develop. These online so-called communities, it gets more and more complicated. It can be abused. And unfortunately, social media has now become a marketing tool not just an online community. It's become a marketing tool for youth and what the world views as acceptable. For instance, when social media starts advertising the most popular show on TV or a a dirty movie that everybody's talking about, well, your kids are starting to educate themselves through this device about what the world views as acceptable. And this can start leading your child into more of a, well, I will be this way because the world sees it as this, and this is what the world sees as cool. And so to be cool and to be accepted, I need to fall in line with what is being marketed. So yeah, let's talk about just some specific things that you have personally experienced in in this whole line of thinking around teenagers and being too immersed, you know, cause there's a limit. So there's always a limit to everything we, we do. Teenagers are notorious for overdoing things. <laughs> so, For instance, Instagram, for example, the idea is to post pictures and uh, about your, with your vacation, you know, how did it go? You know, just keeping up with your community, but it's become more than that. It's become a gateway into again, marketing, dirty content, body image, you know, what, what, oh, this is what I'm supposed to look like because now Instagram is advertising different products in sexual ways. And this is now how I need to look. And, you know, as a, as a kid, as a teenager, these devices, whether parents see it or not, these devices are actually controlling your kids. They're actually becoming that child's education (laughs) to what the world views as acceptable. 
That's what's actually happening. You can lock your way. You can go to a room, you know, shut out your parents, shut out the world, get on your phone and educate yourself on what the world deems is so-called acceptable. Mm-hmm. And this is a problem. TikTok, for example, that has gotten horrible. If you're a parent and your child has TikTok, I would definitely check out what's really going on because I went and did my research and the idea of TikTok is a dancing social media app where you dance Mm -hmm. to a template and it's supposed to be fun and you can share it with your friends and that's the idea, right? But now Mm -hmm. all the music that has been chosen for these templates are some of the most profane, disgusting, sexual songs that are of the current medium. And your child is dancing to a template of that music. They probably don't even understand what the song's actually even saying. Or or worse, they're educating themselves in what this terrible sexual language is. It's exposing themselves to not just their friends, but a worldwide audience. And it's this early exposure mm-hmm. that I just talked to a mom this week who is just so devastated because her sixth grader was on TikTok and numbers of things happened. And I won't go into all the details on that, but the biggest takeaway for her was that this girl was exposed to terms and content and situations and topics that she never should know about right now yeah, in sixth exactly, grade. Exactly. It it opened and they had to have all these discussions and it's just, you know, way too mind blowing for this child. Well, and it's the thing is, Melanie, is that, you know, when I was in fifth grade, you would take a Phlebas course and that's where you talked about what sex is and what this is like and mm-hmm. you know but very mm-hmm. professional I mean I guess I don't know what it is like now but in 2005 it was very you know book term yeah but the the kind of things that are in music and TikTok for instance and what your child is dancing to is very very perverted that's the term it's perverted yeah. and it, that perversion will soak up into these kids like a sponge you are what you watch. You are what you listen to. You become what you surround yourself around. And it, whether whether you want to believe it or not, you do. Over time, you do become what you listen and watch. Yeah, and you become the people you hang around too. Right. You can't. It's impossible for a human not to do that. You cannot separate the two after a while. Maybe at first you can, but eventually. Mm-hmm you have to choose who you, who you are wanting to become. And, and again, there you go. Social media allows for that to happen. So it sounds innocent. It sounds fun. But there's another dark layer under there. And you have to be mindful of, as a parent, of what is actually going on. And, and you know, educate your kids on that the world isn't, all rainbows and cupcakes and there's people out there that 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 are rooting you on and and laughing and saying oh you know this is this is a you know these are fun videos you know it's all for fun no it's there's a darker sub underlying subculture within these apps yeah there's no way for kids to stay away from it once you allow it and that's what our our pathway over here at screen strong is to show parents that you know what it's not necessary right now it's not that one day they won't have, you know, the ability to get into all that stuff. But right. but 
right now during adolescence is the worst time for them to be exposed to all this. And I'm sure that you see a lot of lost potential in kids because you're looking at your role to build them up and mentor them and get them to reach their highest potential in their sport. Talk about how screens either help or hurt that. I mean, I, I know it sounds like a loaded question. Well, okay. For instance, it becomes mentally distracting. We could get off TikTok. We can go into any other app. Let's go into social uh, Instagram. And it's not even with kids. I mean, it's with grown adults too. I mean, the addiction and mental toll is not just kids. It's it's of all ages. The people who created these these engines knew exactly what they were doing. If it wasn't addictive, nobody would use these apps. That that's how they make money. So in sports, you you have to find your identity in a, in a sport. I've talked about it with cross country on my team. Find who you are as a runner. Who are you? When I was in high school, uh, my brother and I wore sports sunglasses just to protect our eyes when we ran on a cross country course from all the dirt that can fly up in your, you know, your eyes and stuff. We had contact. But then, little did we know, it became like a trend and everybody thought, ooh, that was cool. And it became our identity. We were the twins that had the shades on. It was just fun, right? <laughs> but, it, but, it yeah. allowed, but it allowed us to have fun and, and create an identity in the sport. Now, if I had a, an iPhone and all I cared about was li- certain likes on Instagram and this person who I thought I was friends with, who I've never seen in like years didn't heart a picture of mine that I put up. Now my self-esteem is hurt and Mm -hmm. I don't really care about this 5k I'm getting ready to run or what it's going to do to my team. See, that's the problem. And we're being swept up in things that actually don't even matter at all. Kids though don't see the difference, and, and to their credit, they are young and they're they want to be accepted socially, and they want to be valued, and they're putting their value and acceptance in something that's artificial, and it's not rooted in real life. And so, mental distraction is what I've seen across all boards. You can see it though; you can see it. They're not performing very well. They sort of isolate themselves. They don't have the excitement that they used to have. Not only is it affecting your sports performance, it's also robbing you of any joy that you have, not even in the sport, but in life in general. Oh no, that's really big. I I never really even put that together about the distraction and the emotional burden, Mm -hmm. but you cannot be your best in a sport if you walk up to the plate or the start line or the uneven bars. If, if you're worried about something, you have to be all in, not just for that moment, but just like you said, like figuring out who you are in that sport and the identity around, you know, and if you, if you've got your feelings all hurt, I mean, listen, I, I talked to a mom actually last year who had, not a really bad thing happened on her social media, but it was, it was hard. It was a bad, it was a negative comment that somebody made and she's a grown woman. She has three kids and she called me and she said, you know, I can't work. Like I'm so upset about this. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you can't work today. Or it ended up being actually, it was the whole week. It was very, very hard for her. And it wasn't even that bad, but it, it distracted her. Right. And, and so I'm thinking, wow, if, Adults can't even handle the the bullying, I guess, you yeah. know, that goes on. Can you imagine getting ready to run 
a cross country race or getting ready to swim and you check your phone and there's some awful thing that somebody said about you. Of course, it's just a joke, of course, Zach, because, you know, that's what they all say. It's just a joke. Yeah. I don't even understand how a kid could step up to the plate. Oh, no. I mean, and and again, Melanie, think about iPhones in the hands. I mean, we're talking about high school mostly. This is starting way earlier. This is starting kid. I mean, kids. I've seen literally like five and six-year-old kids that have an iPhone. I mean, now that's disturbing. It's, it's hard enough in high school. Could you imagine starting at six or seven? I mean, I'll give you an example, and I won't name any names or anything, but there's a family that I used to know that was involved in running long time ago. He was actually a coach of mine long ago. I got an Instagram notification, and it was his youngest child, and he's six years old, and he friended me on or he sent me a friend request on Instagram. So it's like, Oh my goodness. Okay. He's sick. I mean, he's literally just turned six years old and he has a social media account. So I was kind of looking into it. It was like he was an adult online, but he's six years old. This is what I'm talking about. I mean, what, like I, I, it's just so it's very disturbing because the world and whoever's on the other end is, is waiting to eat, people like that alive if they can. And as a six-year-old kid, having that access and then growing up on it through middle school, which is some of the hardest times of a kid's life trying to come into their own. And then we're talking about high school. I mean, you're pretty much growing up. I mean, the phone, you're living in the phone. And the thing is, Melanie, so we're talking about the difficulties of kids in their iPhone usage. Now, how are they going to be as adults? So how are they going to function in the real world? What what does that look like? That's its own other issue. Well, the thing I worry about is we know the research says that all adult addictions, for example, start in the teenage years. Well, 90%, 90% of adult addictions start in the teenage years. So when you think about that, that's really profound. And what that right. statistic says and what that statistic means is that everything that your kid does is so important because it's shaping their brain and shaping their emotional health and their personalities and their interests for the rest of their life. And so if you're giving your child all this social media, allowing access to it and and no offense to parents out there, they're doing this because you know, you know me, I've made every mistake in the book. I, I am not judging people that do this. This is what happens. It just happens. And we jump on the train and everybody jumps on. And then we're sitting here thinking, what have we done? But we are, here today, just trying to really pinpoint some of the the big problems to wake up some parents. And I think for sure they have to get the education on the science around all the brain development stuff. But we have to also talk about how we're losing time because, you know, in sports, even for example, it's a good example. If you don't take advantage of certain things at a certain time in a kid's life, you're going to lose that ability. That that child's going to lose the ability. We really have to err on the, on the side of being a little more cautious around all this. As a coach, when you see kids coming through, I imagine that you have to deal with some of this drama. Oh yeah. I have to get their attention. And you can tell off the bat they're distracted. How do you get more fun than social media, Zach? I want to hear because I want to know. (laughs) 
You, How do you get their attention? <laughs> you, it's so hard because you have to, as a coach, you have to coach them and you cannot coach somebody who doesn't want to be there. And they're not wanting to be there, whether physically or mentally there, like present, wow. because they're distracted so bad about what the peer said or what the who's dating who through social media. And oh my goodness, here's the next level of drama. You have to reel them in and it's hard to do that. You almost have to come down on to their level and communicate to them on their level. And that's why you have to really understand social media from their perspective too. And a lot of it is communication, Melanie, and trying to reel them in. One common theme I'm noticing is there's a generational gap. Kids feel that there's a generational gap between their families and themselves. And so there's a disconnect. They feel being like their parents is a negative thing. I don't want to be like my parents. They're they're disconnected. They're that's 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 nineteen sixties. You know, I I'm wanting to be of, of the day and what's popular now, and they don't understand me. That's the underlying theme is that generational gap. There's even movies. There's horror movies in the medium about generational gaps. So it's it's there. It's present. Yeah. And if you look at what COVID has done as far as isolation and loneliness, this generational gap issue, pressures in schools, stress, anxiety, anger, there's a lot of anger out there. All of that is what's going on in the teenage mind. Your kids are exposed to this level of anger. People say things online that they would never say in person. It's the nature of our culture. They're hiding behind the screen. They won't say that in person because that would take courage. That would take a certain communication skills. That would take being in the present. And it's easy to vent behind a screen, especially in delayed conversations through text messaging, for example. And, and that and that goes into a lot of bullying too. So social media and all of this is is it perpetuates what's what's already existed in society and just basically blown it out. Into, yeah. any, into everything that we can't even imagine. So trying to reel them in in a sport is very difficult to do. And what I try to do is not become their parent, because if you become their parent, then they disconnect from you too. What I do is I try to come into their world and help them realize that because your parents don't agree, with certain things that you're doing, does it mean that they hate you and that they don't want the best for you? But you have to communicate to them in the terms that they understand. And if I can get them to understand that, they become less distracted and it's the more, and then I can reach them more as a mentor and then I can reel them back in as far as what I'm expecting them to do and perform in a sport. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of work on my behalf. Not all coaches do that, but I have to do that because that's how I coach. Because I coach on an individual level not as hurting sheep in a giant program. And that's the only way that I can get the best performance out of my athletes. Does it take a lot of time? Absolutely. Is it mentally exhausting? Sure. But a large reason why I coach is to make a positive impact on individual lives, especially these, these, this age group. I have to understand what they're going through understand how to communicate to them in order to get the best out of them. And this is why, Melanie, I'm glad you invited me on to 
talk about this today because this is what I mostly deal with far more than actually coaching an athlete. So it's so distracting even for your ability to even coach them. You got to get through this hurdle to get them to the point where they'll even consider you, you know, uh, worthy. (laughs) And I love that you brought up this whole thing about, you know, the distraction, but also the disrespect, because what you're describing is sort of fascinating to me that they don't want to be like their parents. This is really interesting because a generation or two ago, kids wanted to be like their parents. They, the boys wanted to be like their dads. In fact, they took over their businesses and the girls wanted to be like their moms and learn how to do things. And that's because they were much more attached to their families. And there was a whole lot of family attachment, parent-child attachment going on. And social media has changed it. It's changed everything. Our kids have left our homes way too early mentally and emotionally, and they are attaching to these other identities. And they're very toxic identities and they're very confusing and it's really complicated. And they look back at their parents and they're like, who the heck are you? You don't even know what you're doing because you're not part of this big, huge bubble that I found over here that I think I want to be a part of because this is where all my friends are. And what's so fascinating to me is, it's really sad, is, is that parents are giving this to them just like we did with our oldest. We're, we're actually paying for this. Mm-hmm. We're giving it to them. We're condoning it. We're making it like it's okay. But it's the very thing that is turning our kids against us. And it, they're not bad kids. And we're not going to personally blame them for any of this because, you know, parents are handing it over. Kids are getting disrespectful. They're getting distracted. They, they're even disrespecting their coaches. They, they disrespect authority in general because social media, that whole climate says that that's okay to do that. In fact, you get more likes when you post something that's really disrespectful and you start to see, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to do this because this is really getting a lot more, making me more popular to do this. So then parents don't know what to do. And they say to me every day, well, my kids aren't going to like me if I take it away because it's screen strong. We, we know that the answer is to delay it, to eliminate it, to start over or to not start it at all and to let your child go through their adolescence and their childhood in the stages that they were meant to go through them. But then parents are saying, oh my gosh, everybody has it. I I can't take it away. But the very nature of giving it to them is destroying their relationship with their child. It's a circle. It's a cycle. It's like getting on the merry-go-round. You can't get off. How do you suggest that parents get off of this? How do you suggest that they get off that merry-go-round and say, our family's doing something different. We're going to choose to eliminate this for a while. Well, it's the question of the ages, right, Melanie? There really isn't a clear answer, but I, I can be controversial in in my approach. You know, to be brutally honest, how you have we have to practice what we preach. So if we want our kids to be to live a certain way, are we living a certain way? If I'm over here telling my child, well, we're just gonna eliminate it all, but I have my nice new iPhone, whatever it is, 13 plus XZ over here, you know, it, you know, tweeting away paints a, a, a level of hypocrisy for these kids because these, these kids are smart. They are already struggling with a generational gap. It, and that's what the society is already painting for them in general. Go ahead and mm-hmm. argue with your parents. Rebel because they, they're they of the old ways of things. Then the parents, you know, they're over here not really modeling for their, for their child. I have to jump in and say that there are a lot of things that parents 
have and do and take advantage of that kids shouldn't be doing and like driving a car, like drinking alcohol or, you know, any of these things. So I, but, it, but the phones and the technology is so much more in their face. Right. So I think that's why it's so hard. I think there is a very big disconnect in our culture when we think that kids should be treated like adults. I don't think they should be at all treated like adults. They're these stages, but I see how kids think that parents are hypocrites. Kids have been thinking parents are hypocrites from the beginning of time. This is what they throw in the face of their parents constantly. I do think there is a very clear answer. I, I've been doing this for about eight years. And when we first started, we used to try to manage and help parents manage and put parental controls on and and then you know what that just didn't work out none of that worked and what we realized zach is that we were losing daylight yeah because you know you look at these kids that you are coaching and the time goes by so fast right so 48 months of high school it's just not very long no you know we don't have much time to try to make it all perfect for them as far as taking something like a tool like technology and trying to make it perfect for them. It's not going to work. It's, it's not, it's not ever going to be perfect for a teenager. I don't think it ever will. Yeah. Phones have robbed the attention that is needed from parents and, and their children alike. It's, it's, it's sort of stepped in and become a great divider in the family. And mm-hmm. if you can't get rid of the phones in general, and you know it's, it's, it's going to be very difficult to do that, and it very much is. I mean, we can't really operate without an, a smartphone these days. I know you can't in college. They require you to have this kind of technology. But what you can do is designate family time really be mindful of your their peers and who and like how much time they're spending with certain people to be able to help with this generational gap and this hostility that's actually happening between the child and the parent is to be more present in the child's life right um, through what they value as well, you know, and, and, and really be there. I th- and the phone has pretty much has snuck into these houses and these families and become the parent. That's right. And it may, it may be sneaking up on the family without them really realizing it. Maybe over time, more screen time these kids put in their phone probably far outweighs the interactions these kids have with their parents and vice versa. Yeah, they're spending a lot more time on their devices than they are talking to their parents. In fact, when we do the 30-day challenge that we have when parents come in and do that, that is the number one thing they they say right away is we're spending more time with our kids. And yeah. yes. um, and, and so you got to see as a family and as a parent, you have to, and even as a coach, you know that the kids who practice the most get the better skills developed, right? It's just a function of time. And, and so for a parent, when they can understand they should be more influential in their kid's life than that phone, then all of a sudden that makes sense because it's where you spend your time is where you get your influence. And with our boys that are still in high school, we spend a lot of time with them and we know, and we've learned the hard way that you pay now or you pay later we don't have any problems with them not having a smartphone. Uh, I would say only good things happen. I can't really think of any bad things. You know, one day they'll have one, but right now they just have a, a talk text phone and it, it solves the little communication convenience needs. But then after, after that, they're just not distracted. Again, I love how you brought in some of the problems being centered around the communication and being centered around 
the distraction and that emotional heaviness. And that's what is missing from our kids' lives. And I'm very happy that that's missing because the alternative is not worth it. Yes, everybody needs to be able to communicate. The tool is very necessary in life, especially in this type of society. Mm -hmm. But like a phone that doesn't have internet, you're ridding your kids of, of all the trash, the distraction. Because really, that's all it's about. Yes, it's fun to have Instagram and Facebook, and it's fun, right? All of it's for fun, but it can become a very negative force in your kids' lives if they don't know how to use it. And unfortunately, with adolescents, they don't know how the real world works. They don't know how to use it. And so it just becomes a tool that further adds into this generational gap issue of the themes that I've seen in, in sports and with kids and then blows everything that's that out of proportion and it and then you start becoming really disconnected with your kids and your kids getting really disconnected with, with you as a parent so realizing and recognizing that early that you have control you have control they're not 18 yet you can still they're still adolescents you can still come into their lives you can still manage what's going on here I think a lot of parents feel, especially, I mean, I've gotten emails from parents saying, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with, you know, Susie today, or she's not performing very well here. And this is the kind of things that they're, they're facing with phones and friends. And I feel like parents feel that they're out of control at this point. They feel helpless. So in, yeah. in, in turn, they either give the kids what they want because maybe that will help, which it doesn't, or they really combat them. And they, so there, you have to find that fine line and take control. You're still the parent and you're still very much in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're, and you're not only in control, but you need to coach your kids and guide them and guard them and shield certain things from their life. Like you being a coach, you know how, if you see a a child get injured in the cross country meet and his ankle is swollen, you don't let him run. You, that would be terrible. If you say, get out there and run anyway, that would be terrible. Even if they don't see it. And a lot of times they don't see it. That's a really good point. They don't see it. You see it. They don't see it. And they're, and it is true. They're blinded by it. They don't see reality. And you're really trying to avoid them from crossing an invisible line that they, that, that is there. And, the, and they don't see it until they cross it. And, and when you get that trust built for your student, then they will continue to trust you. They will look up to you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's how parents need to parent. They need to do the hard things when the whole team is screaming to do something else. You as the coach know what has to be done. If you boil it all down, if you boil it all down to one thing in society, there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of disconnect and kids need and want to belong. And they believe that they will find happiness. They will find love through what the world is saying that they, they need to, to do it this way through technology. And it's a giant trap. It's a giant setup. And I can't tell you how many people have ruined their lives and gone down the wrong path by abusing 
social media and by and by engaging in things that they feel at the time would would provide them that love. Hmm. And I mean, Melanie, I mean, you, we could talk for hours. We haven't even gotten into dating apps. I mean, oh, that's another part. <laughs> that's you really want to wreck your life. Go down that direction. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and, and, and who knows? I mean, you can get on and say you're 17, 18 and you're six years old. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it, 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 it mm-hmm. gets really scary. And a lot of this comes down to loneliness. And, you know, as parents, you have to let your child know that, the world isn't like a happy place. It's not like the world is rooting for you and wants the best for you. It's it's, it's trying to destroy you. Mm-hmm. You have to come into this world and realize that you really want to surround yourself with people, including your family, who are positive, who want the best for you. Because I feel like a lot of these kids, they are blinded by this reality that everybody wants the best for them. That is absolutely not true at all. In fact, if they don't find out that now, they will definitely find that out the hard way in the future. And you don't want that to happen. That's, I think that's why as a coach, you know, giving kids what they don't want to hear is actually learning a life lesson. You're not there to cause them more difficulty. You're there, you're telling them the harsh reality and the truth and you're, because you care about Mm -hmm. them. If you didn't care about them, then you would let them Mm self-destruct and you're not wanting them to self-destruct. So you're, you care for them. You know, you're protecting them from an injury and, 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 and you're allowing them to see what you're seeing so they can understand. It's the same thing with social media. Any takeaway from this today is for parents to come into your kids' lives again, feel like you do have, you have control and, and they do. And really tell your child that you love them and that you will support them, but you will do what's best for them. And maybe that is not through social media. Maybe maybe you take a break from a while. Do it, do it in steps. But I feel like a lot of kids these days feel like they are not loved and they're lonely and they're they're desperate for any relief and and they feel that that relief is through social media and that's the very thing that's making them feel more lonely and more and exactly and they're they don't even realize it so from your position as a coach you're seeing teenagers all day long do you think it's possible for a child not to have social media I think so. I do. I, would it, will it be hard? Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, and again, it goes back to peer pressure and my friends have the phones and I don't. But, okay, so how fun and happy are your friends with these phones? <laughs> if you really dive into their, into their perspective, well, they all hate each other, they're fighting each other, and they're miserable. Right. Okay, well, then you have to sit back and say, okay, do I want to enter into misery and drama and turmoil, or do I want to stay over here and be deemed as the not cool one in quotes and actually grow and learn as a person because I'm going to go places in life. Kids these days, they blame themselves for everything that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not the one to blame. Maybe they're the ones to blame. Everybody plays victim. But you, you should rise above that and, and know who you are. Try to find your own identity and, and realize that maybe, maybe your peer, your peer group isn't, isn't so positive like you thought. Maybe you need to slim it down and be around your parents a little bit more. Like you, you need to watch out for you because nobody else is looking out for you but you. 
That's right. And you know, your parents are hopefully trying to look out for you, but they don't even know what's happening because they're so removed after their right. kids get into all these worlds. And Melanie, it only gets more complicated. Believe yeah. me, the more we're in the digital age, the more apps there'll be. If TikTok goes away, there'll be another app. You just yeah. have to really be mindful. I like what you just said about the victim uh, mentality, because I've been researching a bunch on this lately and, and, and girls especially, but boys too, there just seems to be this trend of kids feeling like they are the victims. And that's a terrible feeling that, and, and that's such a disempowering word, but it's, it makes kids feel so depressed to feel like that they're, yeah. they wake up every day feeling like by nine o'clock, they're a victim if they haven't gotten enough likes on some kind of social media. Oh and yeah, I, I don't know how you can go into a sports meet or event feeling like you're the victim and everybody's against you. That's just terrible. They're allowing social media to define who they actually really are. And that's a problem. Yeah, they're allowing me, the social media. So like if I only have 10 friends on Instagram, well, in the world sense, I'm very lonely, disconnected person. When in fact, maybe those 10 people are my family and that's who I really care about. And everybody mm -hmm. else is, is fake. See, it's it's everything is flipped on its on its head what's what you think is that and see social media isn't really reality it's not real i i could go and put a picture up that i'm in cancun probably went three years ago and everybody on social media who's having a bad day sees this picture and thinks oh wow what a what a fantastic life he's got and i just i just got fired from my job mm -hmm. like it it plays into the wrong emotions you know, it's not real. It's not, it's not a real connection. And yeah, I mean, with people that already suffer from anxiety and depression and stress, that only will put fuel on the fire and it doesn't help you. And you have to really sit back. I mean, even for young adults, you just have to sit back and assess and you have to, you have to look at your life and you have to say, is this helping me? Is this bringing positivity in my life? Because if it's not, then it's negative and I need to cut it out. Well, and this is a really good point to bring up since we need to wrap up right now. And I, and I love, is this helping or is this hurting? Is this bringing joy to my child? Is it helping him in his sports? Is it helping her feel good about who she is? Is it helping our relationship with in our family or is it causing more pain and is it hurting? And if you're listening today, we are going to give you some permission here <laughs> to hit that pause button if it's hurting. Why would we keep doing something that is hurting our kids? I, and every, every family needs to make that decision on their own. If they don't feel like they have any problems, then that's great. If you feel like your kids are being hurt by this more than they are being helped by it, don't let the idea of this fear of missing out or not being cool or being weird, change your opinion around what you should do. I think it's really important for us to teach our kids how to be different, how to stand on their own two feet and how not to be like the crowd. I think that's the biggest advantage that kids have that grow up without being immersed in social media and honestly, video games as well, that they're finding their identity in other places. So Zach, this has been really interesting talking to you today and just getting, I love getting your perspective on all this from, from the view where you are behind that finish line or, or waiting at the, the start for all your runners to get going or at the pool. I, I love how you're able to bring insight to that. Can you give us maybe a final 
bit of encouragement for parents who are listening today. They're, they're frustrated. They have one of these situations where they've been bit, you know, they've had their defining moment. They've had something happen with their kids and, and they're, they're sort of ready to make a change and hit the pause button for a while. I know you're, you're a really good coach. And what would you say? And, and, and actually two, two things, what would you say to the teenager whose, whose parents are getting ready to make some changes? And what would you say to the parents? Yeah. Okay. So I would tell the kids, your parents love you. You are loved. Your parents love you. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. That is the truth. No parent does not love their child and wouldn't do anything for their child. And I feel like these kids don't see that. They don't see it. That's what I would tell the student athlete. I would tell my parents to reach your child and make them feel supported and loved. And if that means doing something like removing social media for a while or cutting back however they want to approach it, and they're afraid that that would cause more disconnected, it will not. You have to take that step and do it for love. Take that step for love because you do love your children and you do have control. It may not be easy at the moment or it may not be easy for the next several months, but that love and your protection will pay off. Well, that's really good. It's that unconditional love, isn't it? That will get you through and it's what your kids can't find anywhere else. Yeah. And who did the hard thing for them? You know, it's these hard decisions. They don't see it right away. They don't. And they may not for a while, but they will eventually. And, you know, it's all part of, of learning and growing as an adult and or as a, as a youth and going into adulthood. It's really a wonderful final word of encouragement if you're out there feeling stressed around this issue. It is possible to hit the pause button, go spend some time with your kids, structure your next few years with them while they're still under your roof to do more family activities together and actually to do more sports together because I will put another plug in for sports and kids that it provides so many benefits for them, but it also provides a lot of benefits for your family as you have certain activities that you get to go to and enjoy together as a family. You create those memories and we, we so appreciate Zach coming on today and talking with us about how Technology is potentially going to distract your kids and really harm your relationship. I think to kind of sum it up, that's, that's what our message was today, that we've got to get that out of the way so we can spend more time with our kids. And so they are not so distracted and they can do better with their potential. Zach, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. And I wanted to mention real quick, Melanie, that Screen Strong is a great resource. And I appreciate, oh, Melanie, you. all your work with this podcast and helping families. And I will definitely be sharing these resources with many of my families and families who are having trouble. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on today and spending time with us today. Yes. Thank you for inviting me, Melanie. And we hope that these resources do find their way into all the homes that they need to be with all the families that are struggling. We have a new course that is coming out. If you are not on our email list, please go on the website and sign up. It'll take you two seconds and we do not send 
that much out, but we do try to put a monthly information newsletter out. We'll have all the information about the course coming up because I do believe that education is where this all has to start. We are in the beginning of this terrible experiment in our culture around just handing kids all these devices and ScreenStrong is really trying to do something about it to educate parents to not fear monger them into every horrible situation that could happen, but to give them the tools and the empowerment just to make some changes. And guests like Zach today, we're just so happy to have on our show. And and we're just so happy to hear from people out there that are really in the weeds with this and, and struggling and helping families. So if you do need some quick help, you can look at the uh, seven-day detox we have on the website. We also have a 30-day detox. You can join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group. We have over 5,000 families in there that are talking every day about how to remove screens. We talked about a talk text phone and the gap phone is what we recommend. And if you use the code strong, you'll get a discount on that. It is a fabulous alternative to a smartphone. So we never want to talk about the problem without talking about the solutions. And that is definitely one big solution. So your homework today is to share this podcast with some of your friends and share our whole podcast channel with them. We have many different topics that we talk about. If you're interested in a certain topic that you haven't heard yet, email us at team at screenstrong.com and we will be sure to jump on that and be sure to work that into our lineup. Remember, we are a nonprofit. We appreciate all your donations to help keep us going and keep this door open over here for us to get the word out. So remember, we have your back and we are here to help you. Until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Stay strong.